Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the latest edition of Birds All Day, the first edition here in March. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, you may have seen it last week, today, and every day, moving forward, Birds All Day, outside of the paywall, full episodes, plural, for you. We're back. Not that we ever went anywhere, and we still, I think there's no better deal than for you to go to theathletic.com slash birdsallday and sign up for the, uh, for the Athletic. Get the Athletic Scholarship. Get everything that Stoughton writes, that John Lott writes, that Caitlin writes, that Blake writes, that everybody writes about baseball, basketball, every sport you can think of. So go do that. But in the meantime, it's us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher. Wherever you want it, you can get it. And you can't get it. We couldn't do it without the man that I refer to as, uh, uh, he, well, he's here as always. Uh, old Reliable. Old reliable Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm both old and reliable. So both yeah. old and reliable. And I ca- I came with the sales pitch early. Really did, yeah. <laughs> I well, I just want to make sure. If you haven't been, if you've been listening in the Athletic app, bless you. If you want to go back to your old app thing, do that. Just make sure you subscribe. Subscribe. Download. Listen. Wherever it is that you do it, just go on and do it. But we're excited. I'm excited. Spring is like uh, the games are even more meaningless than they were before. But still, good things are happening. I think I think today, Stoughton, mm-hmm. if it's okay with you. Please. I think we'll talk a little bit about pitching. Sure. I think we'll talk a lot about pitching. I think we'll talk about the Blue, the Blue Jays pitching. We'll talk a lot, a lot about pitching. What we're going to do is we're going to talk to Eno Saris of The Athletic, who was just in Blue Jays camp, wrote a really interesting piece about Blue Jays pitchers, talked to them about grips and got some gifs and got the whole Eno experience there. But that's after. In the meantime, we'll talk a little bit about the Blue Jays' options in the rotation, I think. Sound good? Works for me. Works for you. So the re- one of the reasons, actually, uh, that I want to talk about this is that um, you sort of, uh, in watching spring training games today, game today, the Blue Jays faced uh, today being... Thursday, the, uh, the Blue Jays faced the Phillies. Oh, listening Shun to Yamaguchi. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. Listening, watching, whatever. They played. Somebody, yeah. they, they played. It was on. Somebody saw it something. Yeah. There was a video. Yeah. I saw a video on Twitter of Vlad Guerrero Jr. hitting a home run. So, well, yeah. it's not all bad. I also saw a video of uh, Bryce Harper hitting a home run. And as I understand it, he hit that against Sean Yamaguchi. In what was a bit of a rocky fifth inning for him. Not well, Probably not his fifth inning pitched, but... No, it was, it was not his fifth inning, but pitching. no, he, uh, yeah, he had a, he had a rough go. Uh, I, I don't know if, if Harper was in the fifth actually, or if he was, uh, if he was another home run because Yamaguchi gave up three here on, uh, uh, on Thursday, mm. uh, the day on which we are recording this. Um, yeah, it, he, he's a guy who's really interesting, I think. You know, he's a, he's a bit of a wild card. We've talked about him before, you know, had a good, you know, good success in Japan, has been a closer before, uh, but hasn't looked great so far in spring. I mean, it's it's still ridiculously early, but obviously, um, there is a there is an open competition for that fifth starter job on the in the Blue Jays, and uh, he is currently trying his damnedest to pitch his way out of it by the looks of it, which is uh, admirable, I suppose. But uh, but your point was maybe that uh, the fifth starter position is sort of locked up. I believe the you you said he was lapping the field, the fifth starter field. Trent Thornton, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I, the inside track. I think it. You know, I, I think so. I, I don't really know, but it, he certainly pitched better he, he, uh, than anybody else so far who's in the competition. I think that you know Nate Pearson would. Uh, were they, you know, I wrote about this too much this week, uh, but were they to consider him, I think he would be in that conversation as well. Though it's only you know three innings, we probably don't need to be. You know, howling about the service time thing on Pearson yet, but I I see him as a guy who's not going to take Thornton's spot. He's going to take you know someone like Chase Anderson's spot, or you know the sadly the inevitable Matt Shoemaker injury. He may take that spot. Uh, How dare you? Well, how dare you? (laughs) I felt bad doing it because I don't want to see him hurt. Did you? I did. You didn't even hesitate. I well, you didn't even take a breath. That's true. You just were right in there with the (laughs) knife between his ribs. Now he's got a torn oblique. Prove me wrong, kid. Because there's a hole in his... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, I think I, you know Thornton has looked good, and I, if you look at what he was doing last year, he was a bit in over his head. I don't know, you know, he might have gotten a breather in AAA a couple times uh, had the Blue Jays had you know this year's staff last year, but since they were throwing out Jacob Wagersback and Edwin Jackson and whoever else, I don't know that uh, uh, they were able to afford themselves the luxury of letting Trent Thornton sort of ease back a bit. And there were a lot of starts that he was really good and a, a, a bunch of blowups that kind of, you know, skewed his, his, he wasn't, just, he wasn't just like consistently not great. It was like, he was pretty good quite a lot. And then really awful uh, several other times, uh, which, you know, you hope you look at it and hope is something that, you know, he can just, you know, dial back the suck and turn up the good a little bit. Uh, and then you might have something there. I, I think he's the guy, you know, that that's looking like it's, you know, it's it's in his hands now. Uh, and I, I think that that was maybe going to be the case anyway, though. Uh, Anthony Kay is you know, behind him in terms of development. He didn't look particularly, you know, he, he's, a, he's a better prospect than I think a lot of Jays fans have seen. And he hasn't looked great so far. Uh, or he did one outing, but I think his most recent one, he didn't look great uh, in spring training. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with sending Kay back to Buffalo. I think that Thornton, however, uh, had he not, had, if he doesn't make the rotation, is probably going to find a spot in the bullpen. I don't think there's much point in sending him back to Buffalo. And then Yamaguchi, like I say, he was a closer. He's a guy that they can use as a, a long man, or they can, uh, you know, they can have him in short relief. And he had excelled in Japan as well there. So, you know, fingers mm-hmm. crossed that 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 translates. You know, he really he he is an intriguing guy uh, because he he's, his strikeout rate really went up this year. I think he went up to to like. 10 strikeouts per nine. I don't know, you know, what the percentage was. It translates to obviously weaker hitters, but also a little more contact oriented league too. So guys who could maybe do a better job putting the ball in play, not being able to get the bat on his ball. Maybe that's, maybe that means something. It probably means more than uh, two of three kind of ugly outings for the Jays. But I, I, but you know, it's still, it's still relatively early, even though, you know, the time is, uh, the clock is ticking given that, uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, what is, is opening day like the 26th like it's uh it, it's a bit it earlier is. this year for the blue jays and so it's kind of hard to that oh yeah yeah as uh as i'm gonna do another sales there we go uh, plug here which is uh you and i are doing a live edition of birds all day at the rec room on opening day i believe it's just like one o'clock is when they'll be letting people in Sounds i guess the games right. are like three or something like that i believe so yeah um gonna so, be, we're gonna be done in time for anybody who wants to see the game afterwards to go get into their seats and enjoy the festivities exactly. and all that. So as I segue back from our sales pitch, which is, yes, come on down. Uh, I think you can go to homestandsports.com. You can, uh, it's free. The rec room thing is free. So everyone just come on down if you're going to watch the Jays game, if you're planning to take off from work to watch opening day, because that's a man, that's a human being's right. So it's your right. To, to cut work to watch baseball on opening day. I agree. So do it at the rec room. Do it with us. Live edition of Birds All Day. Excited to see everybody there. I think they do have um, an RSVP link on the... on. That's what Homestand I'm saying. Sports, yeah, that's why yeah. I said. Go to homestandsports.com, I believe, is the website. RSVP just so we can get a sense of who's going to be there. But there's no car, no charge for tickets. So everybody can come on out. Just make sure you do RSVP. Or whatever. Fuck it. Just show up on the day up. No one cares. <laughs> uh, but we're excited to see it. We're excited to do it. We had a good time a couple of years ago until the game started, of course. Um, that was grim. <laughs> like, that was the John Carlos Stanton hit two home runs, and uh, it was like the first play of the game was Josh Donaldson's arm falling off. Yeah, Josh Donaldson <laughs> looking like Ryan Zimmerman over there, like he's throwing his entire right side down the first baseline in yeah. an attempt to get a put out or an assist. Yeah. But let me ask you one question about about Shun Yamaguchi. I think it's also maybe a bigger question um, uh, for the Jays, and I think I've heard you know this has been a not uncommon topic of conversation here in the spring uh based on what the blue jays have right now it doesn't look like they're a team that has any grand designs on using the opener this year mm-hmm. um that said is maybe if if in a pinch is shun yamaguchi maybe better served in that role or given his kind of funky stuff and his the splitter uh kind of split change thing that he throws is he maybe better as the long man if he comes in behind somebody who might be thrown a little harder, and then you can come in and, and change that right up with uh, with Yamaguchi. Maybe he's a, a fit for that role. That is a good question. I, I do not have the answer to that. <laughs> but you're definitely right that they appear not to be ready to use an opener, and that seems to be something that they're, you know, it's kind of hard to make your pitch to free agents if you're like, oh, you know, how, you're, you're not going to get starts. We're just going to do it this way, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the mm-hmm. beauty, quote unquote, of you know, the Rays doing it because they're not, 
making pitches for free agents anyway, at least not any that aren't, you know, desperate. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it, uh, I, I think that he could potentially help that in that regard. Uh, I think it's very possible that once Pearson does come up, which, you know, if not opening day, at least it, it should be relatively soon, uh, that mm-hmm. they may, you know, use, uh, you know, uh, uh, spot starts in order to increase the gaps, increase the rest between starts that he makes, you know, in order to sort of uh, lengthen mm-hmm. his season and, and just keep the workload a little bit down that way. I know I wrote about last week, uh, Chris Paddock, the way that the Padres did it last week. It didn't really work very well with the thing the Padres did last year with their rotation. It worked really well for, for Paddock. The rest of the rotation was kind mm-hmm. of a mess, uh, but it was really a young rotation and not all that similar to what the Blue Jays have this year, which is, you know, these veteran guys who are, okay <laughs> you know not maybe yeah. you know uh really really raise the floor there um but yeah it, i think that that there's definitely a way to do that uh to to that that might be what they eventually go to where a guy like yamaguchi might you know pitch after a wilmer font uh on a, in a spot mm-hmm. start where you know just in order to sort of keep pearson from uh over exerting himself because i think that's probably going to be the most you know one of the most important things they do this year other than you know keeping Ryu on the field uh, from a pitching standpoint it'll be interesting to see how how they do approach that this year I know that we you and I asked um Mark Shapiro about it when we chatted with him and I uh, just you know there you hear grumblings about players you know position players being like I don't even know who the fuck is starting today like it's just a it's, it's a definite culture shift in baseball that maybe if you can't avoid it maybe avoid it just try to stay out of that mess where it's just kind of a joke and it's just more often than not it feels like you are the game is lost before it's even begun sort of thing so uh the blue jays do have that enviable depth and and so you know you've talked about this about yamaguchi about chase anderson of course the nate pearson thing is sort of looming over the entire proceedings uh scott mitchell of tsn he tweeted out an interesting little like um almost like a org chart based on his belief or what he's what he's seen and maybe what he's what he's gathered but it sort of broke down the same sort of way um where he's got you know Ryu and Rourke and Chase Anderson and Shoemaker and then Thornton as a kind of Blue Jay starting five with uh Yamaguchi and Waggis back sort of waiting in the wings with then Anthony Kay being the kind of first guy up from from Buffalo um he's also got you know they've talked DJ Zoic who's sort of like a T.J. Zoic is like a young, old guy. T.J. Zoic seems like an old innings eater. Just he doesn't throw that hard. He's kind of like a ground ball guy. Doesn't strike anybody out. He's just sort of like an old. Oh, he's an old reliable. Maybe, maybe you and T.J. Zoic have a lot in common. I forget where I heard it, but he uh, somebody the other day. I don't know if it was on Twitter or on a broadcast, but somebody said that they were uh, the team was was happy with some of the work he did uh, at driveline this winter, and he may have added a little bit of uh, a little bit of velocity, a little zip on that fastball, which. Uh, Considering where it was coming from, probably one? probably doesn't mean mean a whole lot. You know, there's a lot of zip on his fastball. Maybe maybe a little bit of zoic on his fastball. Maybe a little uh, zoic on his fastball. Yeah, sorry, I, I didn't catch <laughs> I didn't catch your your zinger, if you will. Uh, oh, it is one of those. Indeed. <laughs> um, and then, of course, uh, I don't know why it's it, he's one of those names that he talks with Sean Reed Foley, who the Blue Jays are apparently insistent is going to remain as a starter. Um, Sean Reed Foley and, and I made some jokes, not jokes, but I, I just made some observations ab- uh, about Anthony Alford, uh, this week was just Sean Reed Foley and Anthony Alford. I feel like I've been talking about them forever. Like they've forever been prospects and they've been around forever. Mm-hmm. And they, between the two of them, they have like hardly any big league experience. My, my observation about Anthony Alford, what he has the same number of home runs in his big league career as Marcus Stroman. Yeah. And he has like 15 more plate appearances. <laughs> It's but it's up. like he's been and you observed he was drafted in 2012 yeah <laughs> yeah it's it has been a long time but especially because he was a guy you know he, even though he was a third rounder he was a guy who uh it was kind of high profile because it was because people weren't teams weren't mm-hmm. going to touch him because he had that football commitment and he got creative and was like oh well, you go play football for a couple years and we hope it's not going to mm-hmm. fuck up your development and eh, uh well you know who knows what <laughs> what has happened with that but he was sort of on the mind at the time and i think these are also guys who obviously uh stayed with the organization through the 2015 2016 well, let's be serious, 2015 purge of a lot of prospects in exchange mm-hmm. for, you know, top quality big leaguers. So these guys sort of spent time at the top of those prospect lists, right? Like at one point, Alfred and 
Reed Foley were there probably was a year when they were their like number one position player and pitching prospect. And, you know, that 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 sort of put bigger expectations in our minds maybe on them than they deserved. Like they were good prospects, but obviously uh they have been passed by by other guys. Though maybe not necessarily outfielders. <laughs> Just the Jays, you know, don't seem to have a fucking outfielder north of uh like Lansing at this point, but I digress. They don't. They have they have I was gonna make a joke about the Padres, what the, pa- the Padres player development, because uh the Padres player development track record is abysmal. Like if you try to think back, like what was the last good position player that the Padres developed themselves? And then it's hard to think of one because the Padres don't have any good players because they can't <laughs> develop any good players. And then I'm there'll sure be that, people who will talk. Yeah. Hmm? I was just gonna say I'm sure that, that Margot is uh is now that he's in Tampa will will break out and will will uh he's away from the Padres will be fine. Oh yeah, he's gonna dip into Stu Sternberg's magical bag of of, <laughs> of mystery mystery yeah. potions, and next thing you know, he's gonna have like a six win year and then get traded and then immediately go back to being bad. That's the the raise man. Oh, I'm just so the whole thing's fishy. I swear, they have so <laughs> many guys like that that just show up. To, I get it because they're because they're a marine uh, marine animal. It's fishy. No, no, actually, that wasn't where I was going. It's more to me just that like guys are – I would believe more in the Rays player development model if a lot of that development carried with the players when they left because mm-hmm. it feels like they leave Tampa and then they immediately go back to be garbage. Like what is it about what they're doing in that space specifically? I don't know. I got a lot of questions. I got a lot of questions. <laughs> you have questions. I see. Yeah. About the Rays. I got a lot of skepticism. I uh, – I, 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 it's it's sad. It's really sad because of all the teams to root actively root against, the Rays probably deserve better, and yet they deserve worse. <laughs> they deserve yeah, much worse than I could ever <laughs> ever dish out to them. Speaking of dishing it out, uh, got a, the Twitter today. There was a sneak peek of the new Rangers ballpark, and uh, I don't know. Looks like the one in Houston, but blue. People are not not feeling it. We'll see. There's a gigantic screen that I'm sure is going to cause someone to get brained at the plate or something. But in any event, back to the Blue Jays. Okay, not their not their upcoming new stadium though, which hopefully doesn't look like we, we've done the cookie cutter thing. You know, the Rangers' new stadium looks like the Astros one. Well, that's what you're. Yeah, it no, does. I mean, I mean, I I believe that that they didn't. You know, the Astros one without the stupid fucking hill that they had to get rid of, right? No, that's true. It, it's better without it. But um, it's just odd to me that team owner Jose Bautista didn't make a more daring <laughs> architectural choice when it came to that ballpark. I guess it also feels like it's just come together really, really quickly. Yeah, know. you know, it's the, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area is really where my mind goes when I think of cutting edge, you know, architectural advancements and uh, bold <laughs> design choices. So, yeah, that is real surprising. Uh, I I can't even imagine what it would be like to see the where, what's the name of the one where the Cowboys play? It's just so big. So, so it might just be Cowboys Stadium, but yeah, it's uh, no, it has a brand name. Oh, I'm does sure. it? Isn't it like yeah. Mercedes or something? But any in any event, um, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting because the Blue Jays have definitely taken a different tack from the pre last year and the previous years where they have now they've built up a lot of this depth. Um, mm-hmm. Is it going to manifest in a better team? Yeah, I don't think that's <laughs> that's difficult to argue. <laughs> yeah. While I didn't say that with a lot of conviction, Not really, it's hard no. to argue that the team won't be better because it's hard to be worse. Yeah, but but will it yeah. be a better, better product? <laughs> like again, so is is this just us being old? Is this being uh you know people like yourselves and probably the people listen to this are of a very specific vintage and a very specific outlook. Such that the idea of a starter, especially if you're not fighting tooth and nail to win every game, is just kind of like, well, we don't have anybody to go today. Send one of those goofy relievers out there. Like, it's just that's just a really off putting product. It is. Soon. Yeah. So the idea of being like, yep, I know that Shoemaker's going tomorrow, and then uh, Ryu's going the day after that, and that's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if take comfort in it might seem a little, seems a little strong. <laughs> But sure, but no, I, I think you're more, right. 
I, I just look forward to it more than having them roll the dice and see which reliever is going to just wander out there and hopefully yeah. get through. Yeah, having good players is better than bad ones, I would say for sure. Like Ryu and Pearson, like by the middle or you know by the middle of the season or whatever that is. I mean, there is a very good chance that the Blue Jays will have two pitchers where like every five days you're like. Hell yeah! Like they got a, you know, they they got a real chance to win this ball game, no matter what's going on with the lineup, because these guys are really good. And you know, Matt Shoemaker pitched great for them last year. Uh, I I I I teased death for him earlier, uh, and I I apologize. But you know, uh, if he if he looked like the guy he looked for ten starts over the course of a season, well, I mean, he probably would win a fucking Cy Young because he looked really good. But but, <laughs> but he, you know, he's. Uh, He's a really he's an interesting guy. Tanner Roark, I, you know, isn't the guy that you're going to be like, oh shit, it's a Roark start. I better get down to the dome today. I don't want to miss this, you know. But but that this is like the Howard Stern, like the post Howard Stern show show. You know how to tell time done is created. Uh, it's a much better situation at Buffalo. You know, it can really. Let guys have some run there. Let K get real comfortable. Let Pearson, I guess, if that's if that's your if that's your jam. If you want to waste those bullets, uh, let Julian Merriweather figure it out. Uh, you know, if you think about where they would be, if they, I mean, they would obviously have found some help in the rotation, but they, they you know, if they had just gone in house, like you know, Anthony K is their third starter, right? <laughs> like that's, uh, and now yeah. he's probably like their eighth or eighth starter. I think that's where uh, I think that's where Scott Mitchell has him as the number one in Buffalo because he's got a couple guys behind mm-hmm. him in Toronto and like, uh, you know that's the that's where you want to be and and obviously uh, Anderson and Shoemaker only are only here for a year but that year should allow other guys to grow and be able to next season make those spots behind you know behind Ryu their own and uh, Roark's gonna apparently fucking be here next year too so uh he may be he may be the guy who gets chased off chased out of the rotation by tom hatch or by patrick murphy or by somebody who uh who takes that step forward um and then there's you know there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting arms in behind that i mean uh, you know for all the shit that shapiro and atkins have taken over the years you know uh rightly some of it and and not rightly others you know they've talked about and I think Anthopolis did too. And I think every fucking team does. But they talked about you know building waves of uh, of prospects and creating a pipeline that isn't just about you know we'll we'll have a bunch of guys now and then we'll sell it all we'll we'll sell them off and and you know the boom and bust kind of cycles where you know thinking more about just having prospects continue to come and push guys and and you know that's mm-hmm. how you that's how you you know separate the wheat from the chaff and just continually make your organization at the top level better you can just you can see the you can see the map for it you know you can see on you know i'm looking at scott mitchell's uh uh chart now and you know you see manoa and simeon woods richardson and high a uh and some other interesting guys down there and and you can you know you can see how they you know it's going to be two levels from now it might not it probably won't be next year that they're in buffalo it might you know they might be by the end of the you know but uh uh but you're thinking of them for 2022 potentially pushing guys like trent thornton potentially pushing guys like anthony k like hyunjin ryu frankly uh by that point and of course there's you know there's all the fucking attrition that happens to pitching prospects too which you can see throughout this chart as well uh you know the reed foley's who just never made it and you know had never never got beyond you know the success he had in lansing or in double a and tj zoics and guys you know ryan Mm -hmm. barucki's on the the injured list again and eric pardino's having tommy john and you know that all that shit's gonna happen too so mm-hmm. uh you know it's not like they're sitting pretty but they have a pretty good foundation i think and uh uh it's going to be unfortunate for a guy like k or maybe a guy like thornton i think he's probably gonna be the big leagues but like a, guy, a guy like k who probably could be a big leaguer on a team as bad as the blue jays are gonna be uh but will really be having to to pitch his way onto the team but that's what you want right i mean you don't want absolutely to be it, it handing is guys jobs yeah Handing guys jobs or reaching down into the minor mm-hmm. leagues for guys because you're desperate, or which which then begets well you don't want to do that to these guys so then you end up reaching into free agency for you know Edwin Jackson like Jackson who are like you know ably will take your money and they'll go up there and they'll they'll wear those those. 
terrible innings and you know bless him for it i uh, i have nothing but respect for evan jackson for going out there and getting his brains beat in but like which he's gonna uh, do again this year like, apparently yeah someone's gonna <laughs> guys like that are you know he could throw strikes right he could throw strikes and hopefully it, all he, if you can cheat it around and get avoid home runs for you know two innings at a time it might be fine uh you, you did mention you talked a lot about um that's sort of the next wave coming up. I mean, obviously, a guy like Alec uh, Manoa is, is expected to move quickly because there is a little bit of a gap between, you know, double A doesn't necessarily have a lot of the kind of flashy names or, or the type of guys who are high up in the top prospect list. But mm-hmm. there is still a lot to like um, uh, with the way that they've built the team. out. I, I've been thinking a lot about Trent Thornton. Trent Thornton and Anthony Kay, perhaps. that Those kind of like back-end relievers, which which... It doesn't have to be a four-letter word, right? To be mm-hmm. the back, like a back-end reliever, or sorry, back end, back end of the rotation starter, like a like a fourth or fifth uh, caliber starter, you need those guys. And and I, and I, the name I use all the time, and I know that Keith Law has used, you talked about it before, a guy like Joe Saunders, right? He's was never great, but then when you look up, and it's been twelve years, and he's made you know 150 starts or maybe a lot more <laughs> yeah. than that but like it's like man that's that's pretty good like that, that's a valuable player he wasn't he yeah. wasn't winning the Cy Young but um, Tanner, Tanner Roark's making 12 million dollars each of the next two years right <laughs> and, and I feel like that's I'm trying to think of like a like a term and I think that uh, like to Roark something is to not have any <laughs> expectations but be pleasantly just knowing how much worse it could be like, oh, I'm feeling quite Rourkeish right now because Tanner Rourke is going to five and dive, and you know it's not going to be a spectacular outing. But you know, you're the, you've got the game sixty percent over, so you only got to get you only got to get twelve more outs. I'm sure you can cobble together a few bodies to do that. Uh, Trent yeah. Thornton is one that I I, keep, I think we'll and I think we'll talk about with you know about Trent Thornton because I think he has opinions on it. But reminds me a little Wonderful. bit in terms of his kind of ceiling and floor and what can come out of it is a uh, maybe a little bit like Jesse Litch like Jesse Litch was never going to be a, an ace but for a while he was a more than adequate fifth starter it's all about like kind of slotting him in where he belongs it's like um like Roger Ebert right Ebert would he wasn't you know he took movies for what they're worth and like what they were aspiring to be and what they what they acknowledged themselves to be from the outset so if you have like a self-aware movie that's like, oh, this movie is like a, you know, a shoot up action movie. It's like, okay, judge it as that. And and Trent Thornton and, uh, you know, he might not be as pink or as efficient as Jesse Litch, but like <laughs> it's acknowledge more than, him. More than like five strikeouts per nine innings, though, I would say. so. But like he's he's the he's the 2020 equivalent of five strikeouts for nine innings, right? Perhaps. Jesse Litch was like behind then, and when, but that was at the beginning when we were like, oh my gosh, eight strikeouts per inning. He's a strikeout uh, pitcher. Now it's like yeah. eight strikeouts per inning. You're leaving. Yeah. You're leaving food on yeah. the table, man. What are you doing? So, yeah. well, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I like that. If we're going to go with if we're going to go with the old Blue Jay uh, comparisons, I also think that you know K or K or Thornton could uh, could maybe even have like a, a Brett Cecilish path. You know, Brett Cecil made. I'm going to look it up right now, but he made way more starts for the Blue Jays than uh, than I can ever remember. Like the number of games that he has started in his big league career uh, is, uh, is 74, 74 it, starts. <laughs> and, and, and the uh, funny thing of that is, sorry, I, I interrupted. No, no, I, I, no, please. I'd love to hear the funny thing. Well, the funny thing was that he was a reliever in college, right? He was right. a reliever. They drafted him. They were like, nope, you're going to be a starter. And he was like, okay, and was bad for a really long time. 74 and then starts, apparently. 74 <laughs> bad starts. That's a lot. For, especially it really for a guy is, who's yeah. kind of up and down. Yeah. It's not like he's out there you know, going toe-to-toe with Halliday and making 35 starts a year. It was like they were here, they were there. And then he became a really good reliever until the minute that he signed a free agent contract and it all went away. <laughs> Poor guy, you hate yeah. to see that. You don't you, like his his first year in St. Louis wasn't wasn't that bad, wasn't that bad. Wasn't even bad, bad necessarily. Poor Brett Cecil, yeah, had the Scott Downs thing where whenever I like how somebody it's past tense already, it just it like <laughs> no. As a Blue Jay, he had this. If you let me finish, sure. <laughs> 
Pitchers are athletes, except when they're not. And Brett Cecil <laughs> and Scott Downs were both the same kind of guy where the minute they stepped off the mound, instant like exploding ligaments, tendons, joints, bones, always hurt in the act of doing something that wasn't pitching. Oh, got to feel the bunt. Oh, Scott Downs is down. He's broke, fractured his pelvis in three places or some <laughs> shit like that. Both of them just absolutely went to pieces. Brett Cecil, the Blue Jays, I submit, mm-hmm. would have actually won the 2015 World Series if Brett Cecil was healthy. That's, uh, had it had the World Series happened, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. They would have been the only <laughs> team that won. Between that and uh, Yoki Benoit got hurt in the brawl. Yeah. That was 2015, that was, right? Was Benoit was 2015? No, was, was Benoit six- 15? Benoit was 16. Okay, well then... Both of those two things. They would be back-to-back champs. Back-to-back again, baby. Anyway, Brett Cecil, <laughs> broken body. I think I think that's about it. I think what we'll do now is we'll take a break. We'll go and talk to Eno Saris of The Athletic. But before that, the Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo, for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tuck shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us on our wedding day, so we left. What I love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code JAYS. That's theblacktux.com code JAYS for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. He does have, I think we've talked about it before, you know, and I and I'm on this very show, about, and he wrote about it. I actually read it again this week, his story for the Hardball Times about um, about being like kind of embarrassed and, and sort of threatened and put down by Eric Hosmer. Very interesting. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was. It's not, that. it's difficult. It was, it, I, yeah. I admire, you know, for admitting it. Uh, Eric Hosmer is the only baseball player who ever called me the enemy. Which was like an old school sort of like, oh, the enemy is here, like about reporters. That Eric Hosmer is the only one to ever do it. Uh, which was I don't I don't have anything to say to that <laughs> other than like I'm glad you got your money, Eric Hosmer. You didn't earn it, but hey. Uh <laughs> well he earned it in his way. But anyway, we'll talk to Eno about the Blue Jays pitching staff and not AJ Burnett and not Brett Cecil and not Scott Downs or Jesse Litch, but the ones that are around now, the young ones, the interesting ones, the important ones. We'll do all that and so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. All right, as we mentioned before, it is our pleasure. I know it's my pleasure. I can't speak for Stoughton any more than I already do. It is my <laughs> pleasure to be joined again. I don't even know how many times we've done this now. It is my pleasure to be joined by Eno Saris of The Athletic. Eno, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Hi, no problem. I always, uh, you guys have a special place in my heart ever since I came out and visited, uh, which I guess at this point is so many years ago, but. Uh, thank you for having me on again. It's my pleasure. We'll talk about. We can talk about your other passion, which is beer. You wrote about that recently, uh, and the, the the Roger Center, the Blue Jays' home, did not reflect well in your great and grand <laughs> beer. Dead <ring>. last, dead <laughs> last. Yeah, I, what your grades were accurate, but uh, it did not reflect well on the building. Yeah, yeah there, there's no, no beef. No. You did shout out Left Field Brewery, which is. Um, the kind of place that I've said before, I'm honestly shocked that something so cool exists in Toronto, quite frankly. <laughs> well, it doesn't exist at the Rogers Center. and That's such a shame because it's a, a baseball-themed brewery. It'd just be so obvious that uh, they would should have some beers there. Well, uh, let me tell you, 
But a little friend, <laughs> our little friend, the multinational corporation, the way they like to do things. Well, apparently there there are like rules in Ontario too. Like it's just like it's hard to do craft beer in Ontario. The rules are insane in Ontario. For example, I don't want to get too much of it. I know these rules have changed right. a little over time. So Leftfield has one location in the east end of Toronto, and it's amazing. It's a great, great, awesome place, and they do events in there all the time. Their social media is like pitch perfect. But mm-hmm. if you if they wanted to open a second brewery, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure if the rule is still as like this, but it used to be if they were going to open a second location, it has to be a certain uh, uh, degree bigger. It has to be bigger by a certain factor <laughs> because they don't want you like dotting the city with these little breweries that are then skirting the sort of uh, big uh, brew master brewery macro brew rules. So it's like okay, want, if you want to have want little bigs. Yeah, so which they have, there are some pretty successful ones that like uh, Sleeman is a is a company that I guess Sleeman got bought by one of the big ones years ago, but yeah. it, they made a name for themselves. But anyway, we'll get to that after. And, and there's another rule or about that. like you can't even get into the store. You know, you have right? To yeah, it a takes certain a, amount. It, it takes yeah. a certain amount, yeah. and they've yeah. they've just the now, thing about the thing about Ontario is is that it was like just a. Legs closed Protestant backwater until like uh, the, the the mid 1970s when everybody from Montreal was afraid that the, that the country was going to tear apart and came down the 401 to Toronto. I see. Uh, and I see. and there are a lot of like vestiges of those laws of those days that are, are uh, you know, still yeah, prohibition being, created all the weird it, rules in America. So that, that there, yeah, it's, there are even yeah, vestiges it's, of that in weird. Toronto. There's an area called the Junction. Which is like uh, used to be kind of more rough and working class, and now it's kind of been mostly gentrified. But there's a main artery that runs through there, and it, there are hardly any bars on the north side, but tons of bars on the south side. It's because it used to be on the north side of Dundas was um, dry, so there you weren't allowed to drink in this like big section of the junction. So all the bars were and on this the south was until this was relatively. Like, like, I don't know when they wow. did away with that, but it was relatively recently. I think it was because the junction was like the stockyards area. Uh, mm-hmm. And they didn't like the idea of guys, you know, taking hammers to pigs all day and then going getting shit faced. <laughs> it turned out they thought the things kind of went in a weird way when that happened. Speaking well, of walked, the hammers to pigs, the construction yard in San Francisco. Then <laughs> <laughs> let us talk about some of the that our friendly neighborhood multinational corporations most recent employees who you got to, quite frankly, nerd the hell out with you. In your recent piece for The Athletic, talking about Chase Anderson, talking about spin rates. You got Trent Thornton talking about spin rates, but effective spin. So you're back in the Bay Area now where you make your home. But you were in Florida up very recently. Tell us about these delightful dorks that are now everywhere in the Blue Jays starting rotation. Yeah, it's fun that they picked these guys up, especially Tanner and Chase. They, those guys I've been talking to since they were rookies. Mm-hmm. And um, we, you know, we, they're the type of guys where we exchange sort of pleasantries before we even get going. Mm-hmm. And I did a piece this week about command and stuff. And like, when I walked up to Tanner Rock, I was like, Hey, let me just tell you about this research I've done. And I told him that slider command was more important than slider stuff. And I mean, off we went, you know, um, <laughs> and uh, and Tanner's good like that because I and I I think he's in a class of players. I think both of them. I think a lot of these guys are in a class of players where they haven't succeeded all the time. And when you've struggled, and you know, Tanner Roark was like, what was he? He was like an independent league. I think mm-hmm. he was signed out of the independent league to the Nationals. Um, and I think they just saw the fact that like, Hey, we're going to change you from the, the, the two seamer to the, to the four seamer. Uh, you got good slider command, you know, you have a couple things we like, let's, let's just sign you to be a reliever and see what happens. And then he showed them that he had enough pitches and, and was a starter and, and, and Chase Anderson, I mean, he was drafted fairly high and the D backs thought of him fairly highly, but then, you know, they traded him, uh, and he didn't always have success. Um, so both of them had to try to figure out how to, 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 to beat the odds. And mostly they've done it the way that Hanjin Ryu has done it, which is just have a lot of pitches, be unpredictable and command your pitches 
And it doesn't matter if you can't necessarily uh, throw 95. So that's kind of the first thing that jumps out at me when you look at the Blue Jays rotation, you know, Nate Pearson notwithstanding, is there mm-hmm. aren't these big, what, what do I like to call them? I like, you know, these big dick donkeys that come wandering out and just throw 100 <laughs> miles an hour. They don't have anybody. Like, like Pearson is like the biggest dick donkey well, of they, all. Yeah, but, they drafted him. <laughs> yeah, but they drafted him. But like these guys who maybe don't quicken the pulse, and we were making jokes in the previous segment about, about Tanner Rourke, but it's like these are effective big league pitchers who are doing what needs to be done uh you know with what they have to be effective and and you know I, I would like for you to expand a little bit more about about his slider command and uh you kind of ran a query i guess and he has some of the best command with his slider of of uh of any starter in the game right now yeah yeah he ended up being uh 6th among uh, among pitchers in slider command and like i mentioned slider command is more important than stuff but also this comes in the context of a piece that I did earlier, like I said, about the slider, about commander in general versus stuff in general. And I've always been what I call a stuffist. Like Mm -hmm. I'm looking for the big dig donkeys, you know, I'm looking for, (laughs) I'm looking for, you know, big velocity and and just dropping the hammer. And, you know, I'm looking for movement. And for a a lot of my, you know, I write about fantasy and and I've, I've tried to analyze, I try to identify undervalued players. And a lot of times I've been like, this player has great stuff. He's going to break out soon. Uh, and that's been successful for me because, yes, stuff actually relates to outcomes very well. However, this thing that I found this week that was so fascinating to me, it was one of the first findings that I had that was pro-command. And this was that there is a minimum requirement for command to be a starter. And there are basically no starters that have, base, that have worse than 10% worse than league average command. So if you just look across, the only ones that are even 10% worse than the command than league average command are ones that would totally, I, as soon as I say them, you'll be like, uh-huh, yeah, Tyler Glass now, Chris Archer, Denilson Lamette, you know, these are guys that, you know, ha- they've been starters, yes, but they've, they've outstuffed their problem. They just throw real hard and have really bendy pitches and they make it work. Whereas everybody else, the, the guys who've been better longer, the Zach Greinke's of the world, the Hunjin Ryu's of the world, the way they've done it is elite command. Um, and, and there's some interaction with how many pitches you have. I mean, Greinke's throwing the EFIS these days too. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's something that where you have a bucket of pitches and you command them. And I think that's what slider command really does. So what happens is you have to get a strike and you don't want to go to your fastball because A, it's not a great fastball, and B, that's super predictable. What you can do already is in a 2-0 count, you can cut it in half and at least say, well, it'd be 50-50 slider fastball. So you have to pick one to sit on. Hmm. And then if Roar can say, well, you know what? I can actually command my curveball a little bit. Now you're adding a third pitch. You know, So the, the more pitches you command, the more you can, you can keep the hitters guessing, basically. And the more they can't... And you know, most of the hitters tell me, if I got a 60% chance of something, if I got an 80% chance of something, I'm sitting that. That's, 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 I'm going to sit, I'm going to swing real hard. I'm going to swing real soft. I'm going to sit on that thing. That's 80%. Uh, and all that Rourke and Ryu have to do and, and chase hopefully, and even Trent hopefully is, is never have an 80%. You, you also got these guys talking about tunneling, which is, a, which is a, maybe not the most, the most brand new concept, but it's the same thing. It's about, Putting plant, planting the seed of doubt in a pitcher's mind or in a batter's mind, don't let him get too uh, cu- uh, comfortable and, and having, like you said, 60, 80% chance of knowing what's coming. And then allowing, you know, if you can tunnel it, if you can have it look the same essentially for as long as possible, it only can increase that, uh, the, the chances that of that pitch uh, being effective. And I, you got a, like a velocity chart here, how Tanner Rourke sort of like took something off his changeup, added some, added some break, but still kept it in that same fastball tunnel. This is, these are guys who are, who are, who are doing, pulling, not pulling out all the stops, but they're using all of the information available to them. And they're really thinking mm-hmm. about pitching in a, in a way that we probably, guys like them maybe didn't do 10 years ago. Yeah. And what I, I left unsaid a little bit is that Toronto is making a, a, a concerted effort to stay in front of this. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that people appreciate uh, how close they are to the Vanguard. I, I mean, I, th- I would say the Vanguard is obviously kind of the Astros, Dodgers, Yankees. Uh, they're out in front. The Brewers just built uh, a crazy uh, a pitching lab that's, that's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mariners are up there. But I would say, you know, when you start talking about the Mariners and you start talking about the Brewers, the, the, the Blue Jays aren't that far behind. I went and visited Vancouver, and uh, they've got the Rapsodo going. Uh, they've got the pitchers, uh, you know, you know, wearing wearable technology. They've got the pitchers all speaking data, if you if you want to say. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, that's why Pearson. So Pearson is a driveline guy and driveline baseball is one of these independent labs that, you know, has 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 jump started this this movement in baseball. But Pearson is at home here. You know, he's got people mm-hmm. who can talk to this language with him. There's. He's not only talking this a driveline. He comes to, you know, Blue Jays camp and they're right on. Oh, hey, so how's the spin efficiency on the curveball? What are we doing with this? You know, um, and Chase Anderson, he didn't speak specifically of tunneling. But when he talks about how much his cutter spins, uh, that's important because the more it spins, the more it looks like it's fastball in terms of spin. And then instead of rising like his four seam fastball, it kind of doesn't rise you know it kind of just you know sits there and Mm -hmm. that doesn't seem that impressive because there's not a lot of spin being turned into movement it's not very efficient in terms of spin efficiency but for Mm -hmm. the cutter that makes sense because what you want us to do is kind of not ride you know you just want it to be different than the fastball Um, Mm -hmm. and so if the cutter is spinning well and and his new curveball is good like i don't necessarily think that these are things that'll make them aces but I do think that these are things that will help them stave off decline and uh, maybe deal with coming to the AL better than some people think. And I could easily see Chase, Tanner, and even maybe uh, Trent putting up sort of 4-2 ERAs. And if they can do that, I mean, this 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 lineup is going to mash. Trent Thornton's an interesting guy because he's not... He's not the same kind of veteran as as those two mm-hmm. are. You know, Chase Anderson been through a couple of different organizations. He's uh, you know kind of had to reinvent himself, as you mentioned. And of course, Tanner Roark's path. But Thornton is a younger guy, but he's he's also maybe uh, has that that uh, that amount of awareness, that that sort of self awareness uh, to realize that he needs to you know get all that he can out of what he's got. And you talked about you know he seems like he's a real student of the game, the real you know these famous conversations with the Clay Buckles and learning from Marcus Stroman and all these other different guys that he would have crossed paths with. Uh, I, I see, I think I remember you tweeting to something, the fact that you have, you're, I don't know, high on Thornton, but you have, you feel like there's a lot to like uh, in Trent Thornton when, when you're looking ahead to 2020. You know, one thing I like is that he spins the ball well. And I think that's mm-hmm. probably part of why the Blue Jays took him in the trade and why the Astros are interested in him. And he hasn't necessarily turned it into amazing strikeout rates in his in his career, but he's shown good walk rates. So he's coming with good command, and he spins the ball well. And the thing that's that's funny about spin rate is it's a potential stat. It's not necessarily amazing. There are pitches with high spin that are not as amazing as pitches with lower spin because of efficiency and this and that. I mean, spin just means you could be great, you know? Mm. And when I when I look at Thornton, I say, well, here's a guy who's got the spin rates. He's he's got the ability to spin the ball. He's got a slider, a cutter, and a curveball. I think that's just begging for a differentiation. Uh, and hearing him talk about maybe having two curveballs uh, and not showing his 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 plus curveball right away off the bat, I thought that was great. And maybe developing a good changeup. There's there is a chance when you have a guy who throws five pitches almost ten percent of the time. There's always a chance that at the very least he turns out like a Tanner Rourke. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. We, the the blueprint is there. The blueprint is there. It's five pitches and spin and and decent velocity. It's not you know, ninety three, ninety four. It's not. It's not. It doesn't stand out anymore in today's league. But it, it, he's even better off than Tanner Rourke, who who came in the league at ninety ninety one. So. I, I see kind of the foundational pieces there, and when I hear him talking, I just want to hug him. Sometimes he's just a <laughs> just a baby boy, dude. You know, Butters. Pearson's like Pearson's like your big baby boy. You know, like just like a, a big baby, but like Thornton's, you know, he's just he's a little, little bitty. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what is want... a baby donkey called. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's a good question. I'm not sure about the, the, the proper. Want you want him to succeed? Doesn't he even wear like? Doesn't he even wear goggles? 
Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. Thornton? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That makes it even better. <laughs> With him goggles. and it's K, they're, they're pretty goggled up in there in, in that <laughs> rotation or the guy or that or in Buffalo. And if, and imagine what this, how good of a story would be if like Clay Buckles creates like an amazing picture. Like what, like if he just breaks out and he's like, yeah, Clay Buckles do this. You'd be like, yes. <laughs> he did something for us. <laughs> the lasting impression of Clay Buckles as a Blue Jay yeah. is that he he set Trent Thornton it's on gonna the path be, to greatness. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be shining in Trent Thornton's forearm. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you'd get a Clay Buckles tattoo. <laughs> Keep it nice and and uh, and sun sunflower or no uh, sunscreen the hair. as well. Just but, the so, but, but Buckles really sound like had an influence last year, you know, and I think that's that's the thing that the Blue Jays, you know, in the post Anthopolis era, the Shapiro and Atkins era have have. It's weird. I think people would have really appreciated more of that over the years, and there was a lot of fans would be like, "Oh, I want to hear that you like these people," and that they're, they're and and Anthopolis was always kind of like talent first, and it worked out really well. <laughs> but and, and but people didn't like him until it did. Uh, yeah. And then people automatically hated these people. Yeah, no, it's interesting. The, uh, the Shapiro, yeah, and and but and and I think, but I think well, that they have really put an emphasis on on bringing in guys like Buckles, who are you know the veteran who is going to do what he did with Thornton, right? Who is going to be receptive that, to to that? It's not a crazy idea. I mean, it, the that that this might be meaningful. I mean, Tanner Wark just said that Derek Johnson. In at the Reds when he was at the Reds, he said, "You guys all have to, you always all have to watch each other's bullpens." And 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 Tanner Rock said, literally said to me, "I have other stuff to do, you know, like mm. I <laughs> I need to do my stuff. Why do why am I here watching this guy do his bullpen?" And he said, you know, immediately in day one, he understood. Like he, he was like, "Oh, because we're all sitting here hanging out and we like each other, mm. and we're like passing, like we're we're." We're like, oh, hey, check this grip out, or check this cue out, or check this thing out, <laughs> and all of a sudden you've got a new changeup grip. You know what I mean? It's like that's that's mm-hmm. what it was so brilliant about Clay Buckles. Actually, is it because it wasn't his pitching? <laughs> yeah. And, and, oh no, we know we noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually had a, a, a beat writer turn to me once and be like, "I think he, I think he only has a job because he talks so well." Um. And and so what I think what I think Tanner was saying was like you know I think we should we're going to continue this practice here and we're going to continue to talk to each other and we're going to learn from each other um, and that's that's like a very a positive thing like as much as Josh Donaldson you know uh, talked about hitting and stuff I'm not sure that it rubbed off on anybody because nobody really wanted to talk to Josh Donaldson. Is that because he's a crazy person? Because they brought in they, they brought in him and Tulowitzki, and they were like, "We need to go with more of a crazy vibe, and then yeah. we'll go back into like the more school, like the didactic vibe, and then we'll go back to crazy again." I when, mean, uh, there's no way that the they were going to sign Donaldson or Stroman. I mean, I love Stroman from a like media perspective, but I, I'm not sure in terms of the clubhouse. And there was no way they were going to sign sign Donaldson to a long term extension, and have him hanging out with Vlad and Bo and Kevin. You know, like no <laughs> that. Just, just seething. Josh Donaldson's seething in the in his at his locker for four years <laughs> just because the team sucks. angry in the corner, just breathing <laughs> heavily, and it's like fuck. Uh, <laughs> exactly. It, it, it's it's been it's been hard. It's hard for people to accept that, and I, you know, and like I say, especially because people have been conditioned with the Anthopolis talent first thing, which worked out so well. But yeah, that's. I mean, that seems like that's. I think culture matters. Of course, I think what matters. of course what happened? Yeah, I think yeah. culture matters. I think culture matters. I think these things matter. You know, one of the things I like about what the Mariners are doing was that they say like we're creating and it and it. Some people might roll their eyes, but they're talking about we're creating a safe space for our prospects and like we want them all to feel valued and feel like you know every coach that they talk to wants them to succeed and they're not being evaluated every moment. They're not being you know, you know, uh, sort of shuttered to the corner. One of the things that one of the one of the flaws I would say with Farhan Zaidi out here in, in San Francisco is that he did such an intense cycling of talent where he's just always claiming somebody and releasing somebody every day that it mm-hmm. it, it did heighten the tension in the clubhouse. 
you know, maybe he could have come in for a year and just chilled out. You know? <laughs> like, but he, he like really churned the bottom of the roster where like, like me reporter is asking uh, Mike Yastrzemski, like, what does it feel like to know you have like two weeks before you're either released or you have a job? <laughs> it's, Fuck. I, th- I yeah. feel like culture exactly. matters. I think culture matters, but it, I do think that it's all in service of talent. Like, the reason that they want they want these guys to hang out and talk is so that they can get better on their own. Like I think that's a key tenet of, of player development. But if it's yeah. a matter of like winning games and 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 you know going deep into October, that they would like to hang out is is secondary to what they would have learned from each other or the, the steps they would have yeah. made along the way to become the talented players that are required to yeah, do that. Yeah, but as there's well. just, you just sort of, you're more receptive in certain states. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, for like sure, just, for sure. Like and 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 these players, they go home in the off season. They have their own coach, right? So, mm. you know, it's very easy for them to ignore somebody. The home coach, the the dad. You know, people have dads, and yeah. their dads have ideas. Look, sure. look the, Colby Rasmus played for the Jays while we were, yeah, <laughs> while we exactly. were covering them. So yeah, I forgot. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking of. Actually, forgot he played for the Jays. But, like, uh, but like, you know, you have your dads. You have like. You have people you meet in the street who have an idea, you know, like you have uh, every time you come up in a new level, sometimes the best organizations do the hitting coordinator and the pitching coordinator get on page with, you know, on the same page with everybody so that you don't hear something different from the AAA coach than you heard from the AA coach. So that part Mm -hmm. can be handled, but you have the other players and the other players are going to tell you things that they think. And sometimes you'll lie. You know, I, you know, the the Orioles at some point said, we don't, like, we're against cutters. We're not going to throw cutters. And I, like, mm. I talked to an yeah. Orioles pitcher yeah. who was like, well, I, I just called my cutter a slider. <laughs> Why did Dylan Bundy tell you that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't want to take too much more of your time. You know, thank you so much. I know you've got, uh, we, you got lots of big stuff coming up. You got uh, Rates and Barrels twice a week podcast. Mm-hmm. You got your, yeah. your columns, and you got uh, you got something big coming up too, right? Yeah, hopefully something big required the services of Jason Stark and headquarters and Trent Rosecrans, and that's actually I think that's actually kind of a corollary. That's it's an interesting corollary to like the Tanner Roark thing. It's like one of the things I think is cool about the Athletic is just having everybody on board, and like um, you know, kind of I went in camp, I like went to Caitlin, you know, and was like, hey, Caitlin, like you know, what's going on with this person and what's going on with this person. And she gave, she, like, we're all teammates, you know, and she was, yeah. she was really yeah. helpful to my piece and to, and, and just sort of pointing out where people were and like, uh, and stuff like that. And then like, I've done all these collaborations with Andrew Bagley and Mark Kerrig and all these different great writers, um, most basically just writing on their coattails, but this hopefully next early next week, we're going to have a, a, a big piece it is Astros related, but uh, it has such a unique twist um, that I think uh, uh, people will be compelled by it. So um, don't want to take, don't want to give too much away. But it's a big project and uh, multimedia. Uh, in fact, there will be a download involved. You might be able to download <laughs> something. This is good. This is getting huge. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's very. Yeah, and of course, I'm involved. There's, there's <laughs> spreadsheets involved, of course, but uh, it's 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 a fun kind of spreadsheet. Let me tell you, if you are creating a multimedia experience and you're not including pivot tables, are you really creating a multimedia experience? <laughs> oh my God, pivot tables and V lookup, man. That's that's the, how I made my career. <laughs> Eno, thank you so much. Always have a great time when you're on. As he said. Keep your eye out for this big piece coming up. Listen to the podcast and, of course, read them uh, here on The Athletic. You know, Saris, everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you, man. All right. That's it for this edition of Birds All Day. Thank you to Eno for taking the time. Always great to talk to him. If you want to read that piece that he teased so effectively, make sure you go to theathletic.com slash birdsallday and subscribe to The Athletic. You get 40% off if you hit that link. Subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. We're out there for free for everybody, for the people all season long. Uh, and as we mentioned earlier, of course, if you're going to be in Toronto on the opening day, March 26th, we're doing a live taping at the rec room right next door to the Rogers Center. Come on down. I uh, Head over to you can check us out on Twitter or head over to homestandsports.com. 
and uh, RSVP for this free event. His name is Andrew Stoughton. You can read him. He's got lots of cool stuff coming up in The Athletic as well this week. My name is Drew Fairservice. You can read the Vlad newsletter. If you go to my uh, Twitter, you go to fairservice.substack.com. This is Birds All Day. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>